Welcome to the Mobility Innovators Podcast. Hello everyone. I'm so happy to welcome all listeners from all over the world to Mobility Innovator Podcast. I'm your host, Jaspal Singh. Mobility Innovator Podcast invites key innovators in the transportation and logistic industry to share their thoughts about the key changes in the sector, about their work, and what is their forecast for the future. Today, I'll be talking to one very special guest. He has been spreading the knowledge about electric buses and electric taxis all over the world for the last seven years. He represented the city of Shenzhen, a city of 20 million people on various global platforms. Shenzhen is known as the capital of electric buses in the world, with more than 15,000 buses and 18,000 electric taxis. He was the deputy general manager of Shenzhen Bus Group, a company which is running 6,000 electric buses and 5,000 electric taxis. Man, this is huge, as total number of transit buses in whole Canada is just 10,000. I'm so happy to welcome Joseph Ma, or you can call him Joe. He's now the advisor to the CEO of Saudi Arabia Public Transport Company, SEPCO, and looking to replicate his success in the city of Riyadh. It's now time to listen and learn. Disclaimer. Mr. Joseph Ma participated in this podcast in his personal capacity. The views expressed are his own and do not necessarily represent the views of Shenzhen Bus Group or Saudi Arabia Public Transport Company. Hello, Joe. Thank you so much for accepting our invite. We are so fortunate to have you as our next guest. Hello, Jasper. Good morning. Good afternoon. Oh, Assalamu alaikum, where I come from, where I'm working now. Uh, thank you for inviting me to come on the podcast. Uh, it's a real honor. Oh, it's 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 honor for us. So to have you. Uh, so today I'll be, you know, spending time to learn more about you, your success in Shenzhen, uh, about your new role and uh, your perspective on future of electric mobility. Uh, and to start with, I would like you to share a little more about yourself to our listener and uh, any interesting fact about your career, which is not on, on your LinkedIn. Right. Uh, this is a good one. Just uh, wow. Uh, what I haven't put on my LinkedIn is that I, I was never a studious type when I was a young boy. Uh, very, very mischievous. And I used to skip school a lot. And this is like back in Hong Kong in the, in the uh, sort of like early, uh, late 60s, early 70s. Uh, you know, I, I used to skip, skip school a lot. And I used to take public transport to all the sort of like, you know, the beaches, the, the go and play football. And, you know, I would go from Hong Kong, Kowloon, where I used to live, over to Hong Kong Island. And in those days, you had to take public transport because like, mm. you know, being, being a school, a, 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 a a young young kid, I couldn't drive, and so I took buses, I took ferries, I took you know go to from from Kowloon side to Hong Kong, and just to go to the beach and just you know just just skip school altogether. So that's how I got to know the public transport system in Hong Kong, and I became so passionate about public transport system. And you know now even at my age, you know I still take public transport everywhere where I can. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that's no. not that's not that's not in my LinkedIn. But I, later on, I became you know a bit bit more responsible. When you grow up, you become boring. You become more responsible. I I started to work a bit harder. So yeah, that's that's not in my LinkedIn. Yeah, that's true. They're like nobody will put uh, skipping school on their LinkedIn. But <laughs> like I I love what you said. When you become more mature, we became more boring. And, and yeah. we, we start doing uninteresting stuff, but I think you are still doing a lot of interesting stuff. 
so you're not going. Like <laughs> so you did your bachelor and master in urban design and uh, city planning from UK. And yes. after you had a successful career as a planner and consultant, why you transitioned to electric mobility sector in Shenzhen? I'm very surprised to see that move. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I studied urban planning. I studied urban design, you know, in, in the UK. And then uh, when I, I, I've also worked in different places, I've worked in London, Hong Kong, China, and now here I am in, in, in Saudi Arabia. And as an urban planner, I, I love traveling to different places and I love to work on planning and design of new towns and cities. And in the late 60s, in the late 80s and the 90s, I was back in Hong Kong. I was doing the, the all the aircraft pro, core projects. I was doing getting involved with the, the building of the of the new airport in uh, the new international airport. Um, many, many new towns. And I always start with, you know, when I when I do urban planning, when I when I start with a plan, it's like you, you're starting from scratch, like a like mm. a blank canvas. And what do you do? I mean, I always start with the circulation system. I wouldn't call it the road system, mm. the circulation system, how people move around, how, how public transport move around, you know, where you, you, you and in particular in Hong Kong, they, they take public transport very seriously. And they always like, there's a saying they use uh, public transport, uh, particularly metro system as a backbone for, for the city, for, for movement in the city. But I always started with like laying out all the, all the, all the circulations where the, where the, uh, the the MTR would go, the metro system would go, the, the road system linking into the, into the into the metro system, and then mm. how people will circulate when, once you get out of the metro station. So I became very passionate about move mobility. So it's mm. not really public transportation, it's more mobility, but it so happens that later on, I got involved with more and more kind of a metro system, the sort of like route alignment studies, uh, TOD developments. So I got more and more sort of skewing away from to sort of the, the, the more main, mainstream urban design, urban planning, more into the sort of the, uh, mobility as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a subject. So that's, mm. that's, that's how I started. And I did, did projects in, in, did many exciting projects in, uh, in China, uh, working for, for the MTR. I did projects in Hong Kong, I did projects in, in Shanghai, Wuhan, and a few other places. And mm. I got, actually got into uh, sort of like public transport and became a kind of so-called expert in, in, in public transport. <laughs> and later on, I joined joined um, joined San Hong Kai, which is like the um, they're the they're the majority shareholder of KMB. And I got involved with with, with buses. And in mm. the in the in the, so in 2015, I was sent over to to to, to work in Shenzhen by KMB, who's the majority shareholder of, of one of the majority majority shareholders of uh, of Shenzhen bus and. Hence, I, you know, I was lucky to be in, in Shenzhen at the right time in the right place when they were just starting with, with, the, with the electric, uh, electric mobility. So, yeah, that's, 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 and here I am today. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Such a long and interesting journey, I would say. And, and, and it's, it's also people say that uh, it's like a soul searching for the right place. So you find your right place uh, with public transit. We are so lucky to have you uh, working on such an exciting project. So you did amazing work in, in Shenzhen, like you mentioned, you joined there in 2015, did amazing work, were quite settled in your current assignment and all. I'm very curious to know, why did you move to Riyadh uh, suddenly from a place of public transport to the place of car? Like, why did you move to Riyadh? Well, again, I think it goes back to the question, the, the, what I talk about, blank canvas. We all know about Saudi is being very, very you know, car-driven kind of country. People like to drive the cars and, and, and stuff like that. 
And I think there is a lot of opportunity for uh, public transport uh, de development in, 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 in not just in Saudi Arabia, but in the whole of uh, the MENA region as we've mm. seen in, in, in recent years. So there's a lot of exciting stuff happening uh, in, in the MENA region. And, you know, we've, we've saw like the, the, the reliance on, on in the old days, I mean, in the traditional kind of economy is based on as very much an oil-based economy, uh, sort of it's fossil fuel and that. And I, I see that will come, you know, there'll be a major change in the coming maybe decade or two, because like, you know, the COP26, everybody's committed to just sort of like the climate change, the, the, the reducing the sort of global warming. And uh, uh, a lot of the MENA countries have actually made commitments to, to, to the to COP26, helping to reduce, uh, you know, uh, global warming, the impact yeah. of global warming. And Saudi itself, you know, like uh, they, they promised by 2030, that uh, in, in Riyadh, there'll be 30% of the vehicles on the street will be electric vehicles. And mm. that goes along with, you know, the, the, the best thing to do is to change the public transport system, uh, the buses. And they're, they're, so I see, you know, like the whole of MENA region, in, including Saudi, uh, that there is a, a, a thrust towards, you know, promoting public transportation. As you can see in, in, in other in other cities in around around in, in the MENA region. So that's why I'm here, you know, and, and I thought I've I've done well in a way I've done all I could in, in, in Shenzhen and I, I like to you know meet the next challenges, which is where I am today, really. Yeah. That's great. No, I, I really love start with the clan canvas and build something from the scratch and and yeah, you did a great job earlier, and I'm very confident that uh, Riyadh will achieve its target by 2030, which is good for the whole world. Now, I want to ask something about the city where you were working earlier. So you always describe Shenzhen as the lab mice of electric buses, having taken its first 100 buses back in 2010 and converting the entire fleet by 2017 in total 16,000 electric buses and 22,000 electric taxi, such a huge number. And Shenzhen was successful to electrify its entire fleet well before its deadline. I think the deadline was 2020, but they did it three years prior in 2017. There must be many learning uh, lesson in the background. What would you do differently if you get an opportunity to start again? I don't know whether you may want to start again or do it again or not. Well, I, I think, yeah, I, I... As I said earlier, I, I was lucky to be in Shenzhen at the right time, the right, you know, at the right time in the right place. Uh, in 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 so like 2015, I joined Shenzhen Bus, and that was a time when government wanted to. I mean, both central government and, and, and Shenzhen municipal government wanted to push for 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 electrification. And you're right; they set a target. Actually, this, the target was 2018 for us to do all the, all the buses, and uh, 2020 for to do all the taxis, something like that. But we we actually we finished electrifying the whole all the all the buses by 2017 and the taxis by 2018 mm. and um yeah, yeah i mean we we sunjin sunjin bus we we were that we were, I, I always say that we're the, the lap mice but uh you know hey the, the lap mice turn out okay and then uh and the the joke goes in sunjin that uh if sunjin bus had bought into a company like byd uh say in 2010 uh it wouldn't just be a, a Public transport company anymore. Yeah. It will be, you know, one of the richest companies 
in, in, in the, the world. world. <laughs> but well, you know, you, you can never have foresight. Uh, and having foresight is boring anyway. So uh, we, we, and so there, there, there was a lot of trial and error. And then we, we worked very closely with uh, uh, Shen Bus worked very closely with BYD. And then we, we actually gave them a lot of feedback about how to improve the, the technologies, how to, because well, on a day-to-day basis, we're actually driving on the road, uh, driving on the streets, you know, like taking, taking on passengers. So um, a lot of mistakes were, were learned, a lot of experience were learned and so like that. But looking back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I would change everything. You know, if you, if you ask me, I would say, you know, having, having foresight is boring. So like, it's always, <laughs> the world should be about learning, learning from your mistakes. And, you know, if you know everything in advance, that life would be too boring. But if I mean, having said that, if I, if I was to say, go back and do it again, I would, the, the, the two main takeaway I would, I would suggest would be, first of all, don't go for hybrid because in, in, at the early stage, we went for hybrid uh, or, or rather Sunjin bus went for hybrid. And then you ended up with two systems in, in, in the depot. And it's like, you know, the, and, and most of the time you, we would, you would be driving with diesel anyway, because the, the, the electric part is just, you know, mm. you know, very rarely used. So I would say that, you know, don't go for, for hybrid. Mm. And then to begin with, you start with maybe a small depot or maybe one or two routes, but have 100% electric buses on that particular route or mm. that particular depot, because there's a lot of data to be collected. There's a lot of experience to be gained from running, a, running a, an, an electric fleet. And you want to be able to compare the, the difference between running a diesel fleet, uh, an entirely 100% diesel fleet, and one running a 100% electric fleet. Then you can compare the differences. You can c- collect a lot of data. Whereas if you have a mixed fleet, it, com- it, it makes the comparison a lot more kind of meaningless, if you like. Yeah. Mm, well, that's so interesting. If, if you ask me, looking back, would I do anything different? I, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't do anything different because I, w- I wouldn't have the foresight to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if I was to do anything, then those were the two things I would, I would suggest. That, that's great. No, I, I love your quote about uh, foresight is boring. If, you, if yeah. the future is so predictable, there is no fun. So it should yeah. be, there should be a factor of uncertainty. Absolutely. So, you, you gave some good point about uh, uh, not uh, including, not inducting hybrid buses and then going full-fledged on one route or one depot. So just following up uh, question would be, uh, many cities uh, are just started to induct electric buses and many of them are still in a planning phase. So what would advice you would give to these city? Like what is the best process for inducting large fleet of electric buses? Like, okay, you can do five, 10, but what should be the process to induct large fleet of buses? What should they follow? Well, I think there, there is a saying that uh, horses for courses, uh, there's no one solution that fits all. No, you know, can, and then, I mean, the Shenzhen experience is very different to, to maybe, maybe very different to others because like we in Shenzhen, we, we adopted for depot charging because the, the, uh, as you know, the, the daytime, Electricity price is five times that of the of, of the nighttime, so it was essential for Shenzhen bus to opt for the, the nighttime charging, uh, depot charging, and uh, so electricity price is something that you have to take into consideration. The differentiation between daytime cost and the nighttime cost, and um, the the actual operation itself, you know, with, whether you're running long distance services or you're running circular circular routes or, or running sort of like a, a shuttle routes, uh, first and last mile services. So we need to take in all different consideration. There, there isn't a one, one size fit all kind of mm. solution. 
And I would say the most important thing is to act, another important thing factor you have to take into consideration would be the, the, the charging infrastructure. What kind of infrastructure you have in the city? Uh, yeah, I mean, people can go for depot charging. There's like opportunity charging. There's like, uh, um, you know, different ways of charging trolley buses. So again, look at the operation itself and what kind of characteristics are, are required. And the, your, your services, that's, that's the most important thing. But, and the other thing would be choosing the right size of vehicle. You don't want different mm. sizes of vehicles. You don't like, you know, because all your depots, because it's not like a, 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 a petrol uh, scenario. It's not like a diesel scenario where you can just go anywhere, go into any, any filling station, you know, they can, they can, they can, they can, they can fill in the, you know, fill a big bus or a small bus. Whereas if we're going for depot charging, you need to look at your depot configuration, look at all mm. the, the parking spaces, Look at the size of the you know the, the parking spaces, the maneuvering of the buses. In wh whether they we for, for instance, you you want first bus in, last bus out kind of concept. Yeah. The first bus to come in, go right to the back, get charged, get get charged, and then in the morning it's the last bus to leave. Can be the last bus to leave the, the depot, or you know there there are a number of combinations. Some some buses only need a, a, a top up. Uh, you know they, mm. some buses need a longer charge. So yeah. these are all the all the factors you have to take into consideration when you when you're thinking about your operation. So it's not just about buying the buses. You've got to buy the right bus. You got to make sure that um, the the interchangeability of, of of different routes. You don't want so like one bus uh, to different different standards. So mm. one bus one particular bus cannot be charged in a different depot. So these are all the things that I would say that are, are important to 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 consider. No, these are great points. These are great points. I, I agree with you. First is the charging infrastructure. Second is the right size of the bus and, and planning your route well and the, and the operation well. A lot of cities are trying to bring buses without changing anything else in the operation, which is uh, not a good recipe. Uh, they have to think from the operation side rather than from the vehicle side. So these are great points. Thanks for sharing. Uh, and I also want to ask you, how do you see technology really help the Shenzhen bus group to manage and operate such a large fleet of electric buses? Uh, you had a big control center with 30 feet video wall. It was so impressive to see that. Uh, do you think it's imperative to have uh, good technology uh, infrastructure? And what key technology the city must have before inducting the buses? Because many of the cities are I can give example of some of the Indian city, which are jumping from diesel to electric, but they don't have the good infrastructure, technology infrastructure. So what do you think the technology infrastructure play a role in, uh, in the operation of electric buses? Well, the good thing about if you're uh, converting your fleet in, 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 a, in a wholesale manner, in a, in a large scale manner, the good thing about it is you buying a, a batch of new buses where they should, should be uh, you know, the, the latest technologies and kind of the latest kind of uh, mm. fitting all the design and everything. And you do need to collect a lot of data. I mean, nowadays, mm. we're, uh, you know, running a public transport company operation, it's not just about running services. It's about you really need to adopt the latest technology to help you run the operation. There's a lot of technologies, for instance, it, within, within uh, a lot of telematics in, in, in an electric bus. Uh, a lot of information data that you need to look out for. Uh, for instance, the, the, I mean, the most essential, I would say, the, the state of charge for each vehicle. Mm. You know, we want to make sure that your vehicle has enough charge. And whenever there's, you know, it's running out of, running out of, you know, running short of, of 
of, of electricity, where, where should that bus go to get charged? So mm -hmm. a lot of information is required for the data. And the thing is like nowadays, all, all vehicles, not just, not just electric buses, are fitted with a lot of data and computer, you know, like, uh, you know, information. So having a, having a, a strong kind of monitoring system, uh, you know, not just for the vehicles, but for, you know, it, it's for, for the whole operation, for the maintenance of the vehicles, for the, for the safety of the vehicles, for the, for the driving habits, because with, with electric buses, it's really about, depends on quite importantly, it also depends on how the driver drives it. Because mm. you know some driver they drive hard and, they, and they, that saves electricity. So having that kind of information, having access to to every single vehicle, is um, in in my view quite essential. And that's why uh, you know like, uh, and on top of that, we've got all the other safety issues like you know watching the the, 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 the safety of, of the road system, congestion, yeah. uh, you know the anti collision, all, all everything is, is so important nowadays in running an operation. So. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, if you're able to, to do a wholesale kind of like trans, uh, whatever, whatever, uh, transition from, yeah. from diesel to electric, you must have invested that little bit more on, on yeah. the operating system, on and solid, the, the backup house system, where you can get a lot of data, you know, like sort of doing predictive maintenance, doing, 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 it's a lot of things that you get that actually saves a lot management time. Uh, mm. You know, that we, when, when Shenzhen bus installed that, that a screen that you talked about, uh, we were holding sort of like a daily, a weekly meeting with all the all, all, all the solid all the bus teams. So, and they didn't need to come to the office, or you know, whereas before they would have to come to, to the office. And then with that system, we're able to access to talk to, directly to them on on a weekly basis, or even on a daily basis. We can monitor, we can monitor the, the whole operation, and then you can see what's what's you know look, look out for congestion on on, on a particular part of the city. At, uh, during particular time, so uh, I, in my view, that's that's really worth investing into. Yeah. I agree with you. With the data now, you can collect with the electric buses. If you are not using it, you can't run your operation. Like you mentioned about no. state of charge, the driver behavior. In fact, one of the study by BYD state that uh, the driver behavior can impact up to thirty percent of uh, the charging. Uh, you know, Absolutely. the range Absolutely. of the bus. Which is, which is great. No, I fully agree with you that. And also I want to know because Shenzhen is often referred as also the Silicon Valley of hardware. It, it's a city which uh, has done amazing uh, progress in last uh, couple of decades. And it's become one of the powerful and innovative ecosystem. Shenzhen Bus Group was also working with some good startup. How do you think those partnerships help the company? How do you think the startup play an important role in today's uh, world? Well, uh, you know, Sunjin is really an, a miracle in my in my view. You know, like when I was when I was a kid, uh, you, you know, my, my my father used to take me to the border of, between Hong Kong and Shenzhen, and you looked over to Shenzhen in those days. This, I mean, I'm not talking about that long ago. Maybe this is in the in the, in the early seventies. They were yeah. You're you not know. that long. You're not that old. So <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the CBD the CBD now of Shenzhen used to be just like thirty years ago, maybe. Just all party fields. I mean, in Shenzhen only has history of forty years, and like forty years ago, you're talking about population of thirty thousand. You know, mm. no more than that, or slightly more than that, maybe. Um, now the population of twenty million is a mega city. Uh, you know, like uh, I God knows how many MTR uh, or metro routes they have now. I mean, when I when I first 
went to the city, uh, went to work in the city, like it was like uh, doing doing work in the city. It was 15 years ago, maybe 15. There was only one metro line, but now they're mm-hmm. like 10, 20, you know, like coming mm-hmm. up, to the, no, not 20, 10 or 15, something like that. And they're building by the end of next year, the year after there, it's like talking about 1,000 kilometer of metro lines. Um, so the, the, it's a very vibrant city. And, you know, it's also a very, a very young city. The average, you know, like the average age of, of Shenzhen is 37 years old, you know, like oh. I, I'm, well, I'm well, well, way beyond that. And so uh, it's always been a very dynamic city. And I think 40 years ago, when they decided that Shenzhen was going to be the first uh, special economic zone, and with its location being so next to just next to Hong Kong, it attracted a lot of you know like entrepreneur into 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 the city, setting up kind of like a R and D research basis. So nowadays you've got like you know a major global company like you know you got Huawei, you got Tencent, you got TGI, you got you know BYD, and and Shenzhen bus is always because Shenzhen bus is actually as old as the city itself. Mm. And you know, we they they it, it grew up with all those companies, and mm. some a lot of those companies actually work hand in hand with Shenzhen Bus, and 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 they they grew up together. Like like for example, the, the case of BYD, you know, like uh, I would say, if it wasn't for Shenzhen Bus, BYD may not be as as well known as well established as today. So um, very important that uh, the, working with all these new you know the, the startups and and the new companies, and that. That is kind of the spirit of, of, of the city as well. It, it's very innovative. It's very kind of like progressive, you know, always looking for the new, the next new thing uh, mm. because there's so many young people. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. No, you already mentioned about BYB in 2010. If Shenzhen bus have just acquired some stake, it will be yes. uh, <laughs> one of the wealthiest organization. Yes. Yeah. The, no, I agree. The, the city has grown with the startup and it become a powerhouse now. Yeah. You know, now I want to touch on the other side of electrification. Uh, you already mentioned some of these things earlier. So uh, just want to go a little more in detail. You mentioned about the energy procurement and management. And, and I feel that energy procurement and management play a very critical role in minimizing the energy cost uh, of uh, these electric vehicles. Uh, and you already mentioned in Shenzhen, you got a uh, very good rate. Like in the nighttime, the electricity charge was one-fifth of the daytime. This is a reason Shenzhen bus went for depot charging. What are the other software and data analytics tool you were using to manage the charging infrastructure and energy costs? Uh, it will be useful for the cities which are planning to induct electric buses because many of the cities are not considering the energy cost right now because they feel it's so cheap. We should not worry about, but I think it will be a major cause for electric buses in the future. So what, uh, kind of infrastructure you build at Shenzhen Bus to manage these costs? Well, in the early days, um, it's pretty much down to the, to the, to the sort of like the, the uh, what do you call it? The, the, the managers of each, each um, what do you call them? The depot. The, the depot manager, the fleet managers who would assess the, the bus routes and then the, the, their requirement and then which ones should come in to do the charges at what time and then with that that used to be done very much manually, uh, hmm. looking at you know, based on the experience of each the, the fleet manager, how to do that, you know, whether should allocate the buses to come back, uh, try to avoid coming back at, at peak hours to do the charging, 
and to mm. come, you know, at least go for the sort of like the, the medium medium price period if there was a need for top up. So uh, in the early days, much of that work would be done pretty much manually. Uh, mm. What I mean by manually is like you know they 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 would do it with spreadsheets and whatever. Um, but nowadays there, there there isn't we 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 rely very much on the charging service providers as well. Uh, uh, because like Neil you know, Sunjin, as, 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 as I mentioned before, uh, a lot of the, in the early days, a lot of charging were, 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 were subcontract sub out to, to, to the charging service providers. So uh, within, within the chargers, they have uh, smart charging, you know, what, how, how much it should top up and how much it should, you know, like at what level they should cut off the electricity. So that would be fed in manually uh, mm. to each charger. Uh, but now, as I as I understand, there is they, they are looking at some some software with with a, with a charging with a company looking at charging efficiency, looking at how they can get the best kind of um, what you call it, uh, the best uh, the the optimal um, optimal mileage out, out of the charge oh, and um, out of the bus, and they they are looking into that. So I, I believe that something will will be coming out very soon on, on this one. Yeah, they're looking at studies at that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And it's so funny, the way technology has changed. Now, even we consider Excel and spreadsheet manually, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time when we say, oh, we are using Excel and it, it's computerized. Well, and now we say Excel is manual. And, and I agree with that. Uh, I'm still struggling with Excel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just follow up to the previous question. Another innovative model in Shenzhen, which I is always very fa big fan of, is uh, outsource all charging infrastructure to third party and pay them on per kilometer basis. Uh, yeah. What are the key advantages and disadvantages of this model? Well, in the early days, uh, I think when when batteries techno battery technologies were, were still very much an unknown for a lot of people, uh, certainly for, for an operator like Shenzhen Bus, uh, it was essential. I mean, run, the bus itself is easy. You know, the bus mm. body, you know, that's that's easy. The doors, the, you know, the, it's all like all, all the other stuff. The air conditioning, that's easy enough. Uh, whereas batteries was very much a new thing, uh, a new technology that came into the market. And so, uh, what Sunjin Bus decided to do in the early days was to separate the the the, the batteries and the charging to a, to a separate service provider, mm. uh, a more more professional kind of service provider. So in the early days of the in the first batch of buses in the, in the early 2010s, uh, the, the the we the Shenzhen bus would purchase a bus body, and then the batteries and the battery monitoring system and the charging service will be done by a, a separate company. Hmm. So, uh, and until 2015, then then they started to say okay, they would go for the whole bus buy the whole bus because by that time they learned the, they, they had a lot more knowledge about the batteries you know, itself and the and the technical staff were able to sort of handle the handle a lot of that 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 mechanic uh, electrical electro not so much mechanical now more mm. more, more electronic stuff yeah uh, so but recently in 2020 actually uh Sunjin bus had set up their own infrastructure charging infrastructure company investment mm. company looking at investing into the infrastructure uh, charging infrastructure looking at Providing servicing uh, servicing for 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 electric uh, electric vehicles, so uh, that in a way because they they, they actually accumulated ten years of experience that they, they felt that they were able to handle the whole whole thing by themselves. You know the mm. the cost and the the charging, the batteries, the maintenance of, of electric vehicles. So yeah, I mean it's and the the reason why they did it in the in the early days because they 
batteries wasn't wasn't unknown to them yeah. no it's a it's a complete transition now and more and more expertise you get in house and there is a scope to grow that's right that's right yeah that's great i'm very curious to know about the next uh, point which i want to discuss with you uh, is about the manpower and the human resource uh, the transition to electrification is actually a process it's not a one step and it's require a lot of organizational transformation approach change management including staff relocation reskilling route planning infrastructure upgrading so there are a lot of processes and steps involved and i remember that uh, shenzhen bus did not retrench any staff and in fact they reskill around 619 employee to become electro mechanical technician if i'm right yeah. uh, how important you think is staff reskilling and and what mistake uh, the other transit agencies do well i i mentioned earlier that the uh, shenzhen bus is a, is a joint venture between uh, the the shenzhen municipal government and 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 kmb from hong kong kalimula bus from hong kong and it's a partly state run organization it's kind of a, like partly state run organization uh the social responsibility the social commitment was always uh, uh on the top of of the list of priorities that the, the company had to look for and so retraining staff is you know retraining staff is mm. one of the you know, very important to, to keep the staff the, you know the sort of like meant keep keep the morale going yeah. uh so it it made a very conscious decision that uh it it you know it didn't throughout the whole transition process it wasn't going to lay off any staff um, mm. and therefore a lot of staff were being retrained and look for look for like as, as you said you know like looking for for maintenance uh i mean even this happened even before that because in the old days you used to have conductor and conductress uh selling tickets on the bus mm. uh and then when solid the smart you know the smart payment came came along you know like a, a lot of the conductors and conductors were being retrained to do to become drivers mm. so um it, it always had a tradition of not laying off staff trying or trying not to lay off staff anyway and um so really the 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 retraining of 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 staff uh, looking after the welfare was always going to be at the top of the list of priorities uh, you know like uh, that's why um we had we had in shenjima said a really really it's called like good morale within 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 the staff force and i mean for company i mean maybe hey the because you say people say that oh because your 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 operation is subsidized so it's okay for you to do that so i i can understand from from other companies and operators are uh, you know particularly the commercially run operators this is this may not be easy but having said that the I think in running a public transport company when running any company you need to think beyond think you know outside the box you need to look at new business venture i mean you've got good staff you you should always you can always retrain them to do something something yeah. else i mean not i mean maybe having said that maybe not so much, not so much of professional staff you know, because they yeah. spend a long time doing going through the whole education loop and they don't want to you know do something you know say from say for example from a, from well i mean from a doctor to to become a to become an engineer that's difficult but you know even for 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 ourselves like you know like uh we 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 come from general background even you you talking about i came from a background of being an urban urban planner urban designer and i went to sort of public transportation because there's a lot of skills that can be applied to to yeah. you know to other industries i mean 
having said that, as I said, you know, if different if you're if you're a doctor or a surgeon, you can't turn from a surgeon to become a lawyer. So yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of common skills that can be applied. And the, the thing is to how do you retrain the people, how you sort of motivate people, that's 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 what I think is important. That, that I, I fully agree with you. Uh, there are new business models emerging uh, within the public transport organization, and organization can use uh, these as an opportunity to reskill and retain their staff. And and actually, happy employees lead to happy customer, not not other Absolutely. way around. You know, Absolutely. so that's important. And and uh, on the funny side, uh, I would never want to go to a doctor who was lawyer earlier and and <laughs> <turn> into a, <laughs> a doctor. That's, that's a tough combination. That's a tough combination. Yeah, yeah that's a tough combination. Now, you know, I want to come back to your earlier point, foresight is boring, uh, but I want to ask you a future question. Uh, electric or fuel cell? Which technology will win the race? Uh, last year, I remember you mentioned that uh, hydrogen fuel cell is expensive and will take five to 10 years to fully commercialize. Do you still believe that or you, you are now more bullish about hydrogen fuel cell vehicle? I think there's a recently there's been a lot of talk about hydrogen, right? But in general, it's still very much more expensive compared to electric. And now that electric has come leaps and bounds in, in the last five years, you know, technology has become cheaper. Uh, the batteries are becoming cheaper. The technologies have become be becoming better. Uh, the, the, the range of the buses are going, going further and further. So I, th I still think that uh, I still hold my hold the view of you know hydrogen will be another five to ten years. I mean, really good that we're looking into hydrogen. I'm 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 not trying to knock it, but it it was still it's still a lot more expensive than 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 uh, battery electric. Um, and you know, like recently I, I read in the article the city of in, in Montpellier, they just uh, they were supposed to get something like fifty vehicles for between two thousand twenty three and twenty twenty five. Yeah. And then they did the economics and thought, you know, the calculation and thought that was too expensive and they ditched the idea. So I think it's, it's the cost is still very much a, an issue that we, we, I would say that it's holding, holding back the development of hydrogen. But having said that, I mean, again, if, you, if you've got come government uh, willing to pay for the subsidies, then that's, that's a different, that's that, that, you know, that can be a completely that's different kind of fish. Yeah. I agree. I agree. No, I, I also read about that news that city is moving now from yeah. hybrid back to electric because they feel it's, it doesn't make any economic sense to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and now I want to you know, come back to your earlier point about why you moved to Riyadh. Uh, you left such a big impression with your work in Shenzhen. I think it'll be very difficult for people to realize that you are not anymore working with Shenzhen. <laughs> <laughs> so now let me, let me ask you about your new role. Many people may not know that uh, Riyadh is making huge investment in public transit, both metro and buses. You already mentioned that. Uh, SEPCO, which is the company you're now working is managing buses, metro, intercity, school transport in the country. And, and SEPCO is also investing digital services like uh, autonomous vehicle, on-demand mobility, journey planner and all. Did the CEO already give you a long list of tasks uh, to complete and finish? What's, what's are your goal in the Riyadh? Well, I think first of all, I think you're overrating me a bit, uh, just about. I, 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 I don't think there's anybody that cannot be replaced. Uh, I mean, I, I, as I said, I was lucky to be at in Shenzhen at the right time in the right place, 
and had a great team of people working uh, working with me. Um, and I missed them very, all very much. And you know, mm -hmm. like I really had a good time uh, working in Shenzhen, enjoy the time very much. Uh, but it's not just down to me; it's down to the whole every, everybody behind me. As for what's happening in Saudi Arabia, I I, I think it's a very exciting place. I mean, as I mm. said at, at the beginning, the whole of MENA region, next 10, 20 years, there's going to be a lot of exciting things happening, uh, because the need to to wean itself off, you know, wean itself off of dependence on, on on the oil industry. So there are there are many exciting projects. Some of some of which you've already named. You know, like the the, the electrification, uh, metro system, autonomous driving, smart mobility. BRT, light rail, everything. So a lot of new things happening. Uh, hmm. I, I'm actually, I, well, I'm, I'm sure I've, I've got a long list for myself. I don't know what the CEO <laughs> expects me, but uh, I hope he, he thinks I'll be helpful. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm really quite happy to be, uh, hopefully, at the right, right place, right time okay. again. And so repeat that excellent time that I had in, in Shenzhen. And uh, you know, it's, it's, as I said, there's a lot of exciting things happening here, and and Mina Mina is going to be a you know, a region that we all we everybody will be looking at very importantly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Mena and Africa, whole whole these Absolutely. two continents yeah. are growing very fast and implementing new public transport infrastructure projects and all. And also, it's interesting uh, is that Riyadh is also emerging as a startup destination in many reasons. A lot of new startups are coming from Riyadh now. Uh, how do you see the startup uh, will play an important role in the transformation of transit system in Riyadh? Uh, how, what kind of uh, support they can provide? Well, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, me in the region, it's like you, you got so many different startups from different sectors, in whether in lifestyle, food, fashion, shopping, everything, mobility. Mobility is just one of them. And a lot of new entre entrepreneurs coming into, this, in, into the city, investing into, into the, all these new startups. And I think, I mean, looking, comparing that with Shenzhen again, Shenzhen, a very young city, very mm -hmm. forward looking. And, you know, a lot of them, a lot of people I met, a lot of the really, really successful people I met in, 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 in Shenzhen were in the, in the mid 30s, early 40s, or something like mm -hmm. that. And it's wonderful to see young people coming in with fresh ideas, new ideas, you know, raring to go and, 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 and you know, contributing to, 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 to all different sectors. And I think public transportation, again, is mobility. I call it mobility. I wouldn't call it just public transportation. Yeah. It's such an important sector. And it's good to see, and I really, I really admire young people wanting to be taking part in, in, all, in all these new startups. I mean, there, there's a Chinese saying that, you know, all the four most important elements in your life uh, you put the clothes on your on your back and the, the roof over your head, food on the table, and the last one, and one of the most important ones is mobility, mobility, able to move around. So, mobility, startup, I think they should go hand in hand. And the more young people getting in the industry, getting involved, giving their ideas, and then I think nowadays, uh, certainly in, the, in a lot of cities and a lot of countries. Young people, they don't like their own cars anymore. They want mm. to use public transportation. They want to share mobility. I think that the share economy, I mean, for the last few years, we've been, we've been affected by, by COVID. So the share economy kind of being, being affected quite, quite significantly. But in the longer term, I think we're looking at sort of like the, the whole the, uh, being sustainable, share, share, the share economy is still very much important. And share economy is, you know, like it's always related to new startups, 
you know, like how you how do you share using smart mobile smart smart system? Yeah. And I think all that rely is really relying on, on young people coming into different sectors of the industries, uh, different industries and different sectors. So yeah, I mean, I I I, I think this uh, startups is a great thing. Um, I mean, I've I've been I've been involved with one or two of your startup kind of events. I think I'm always very supportive of new new startups, and I think that's it's important to encourage that. Yeah, no, you rightly mentioned the bringing the fresh perspective, uh, and these young people can always uh, bring the new idea on the table, uh, which yeah. sometimes we miss it. Uh, so we are kind of at the end of our our this you know this uh, I would say talk. Uh, I'm very curious to know your background picture. You know, are you in a theater? Are you in a bus? What does it look like? What is it all about? This is actually a bus. The, the background is actually a bus. This is one of the buses. Uh, uh, one of the cases we we I we did in in Shenzhen bus. Uh, this is a joint joint collaboration with uh, Lang Lang, the, the very mm. famous pianist, the world renowned pianist. And this is a, an electric bus, a double-decker electric bus. And uh, Shenzhen bus turned that into a music bus. This mm. is actually where I'm sitting now behind this should, should be a piano, uh, like oh. on, the top, on, the, on the top deck of the bus. And then Nan Lam would come on the bus and do, do, do kind of like musical tours. And then also encourage young people to come on the bus, uh, mm. take public transportation, take sightseeing, and learn, learn about music at the same time. So this, this was actually very successful in, in Shenzhen. Uh, and I think, you know, public transportation need not be boring, need not be full of old fuddy duddies like myself, <laughs> be, you know, young and dynamic. It should be fun. It should be part of the whole, your, your, your lifestyle, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the reason for, I really like this background. So I, I use it quite a lot. Yeah. No, I, I love it. You know, the, the yeah. seats look so remarkable and, and actually it's a new uh, phrase of mass uh, music as a service so you are actually <laughs> <laughs> providing uh, music uh, while on the move no that's great so now yeah. you know now the fun part of our talk now it's a rapid fire question round and i'll okay. ask you five questions and you need to answer it quickly just say whatever comes to your mind and and yep. uh, quick answer okay. so if you're ready then then uh, I'll, I'll fire my first question to you yeah sure Great. So first question, if you were not in mobility sector, what other profession you would have selected? Well, I always like football, but I'm too small. <laughs> Big enough. Big enough. You know, I, I love that because Muhammad, the last uh, time he was on the, on the podcast and he also a big fan of uh, football. So you can, you can form a team with him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now, you know, you are a global trotter yourself, you know, you traveled uh, so much around the world. In fact, you work in different continents. So which is your favorite city in the world? Hong Kong, London. Ah, there is some bias about Hong Kong, but I, I accept Absolutely. it because I love Hong Kong too. I love Hong Kong too. I know the transport system inside out. <laughs> By <laughs> skipping the school. <laughs> <laughs> So the uh, third question is, uh, and I don't know, can you answer it uh, without any bias, is which city has the best transit network in the world? Again, Hong Kong and London. And maybe uh, in the future, Riyadh. Maybe in the future, future is Riyadh. Riyadh. <laughs> <laughs> I take it. <laughs> Riyadh oh, is... Uh, and and uh, again, one question, which is uh, uh, a difficult one for you to find out, uh, who's your favorite leader in the mobility sector? The leaders, in my view, are the frontline staff. 
Mm. I think they're the most important people. Uh, they're leading the industry. I remember a time when I was, uh, one time I was in Manchester, I was taking a bus, it was a Christmas day. And the driver was getting everybody to sing Christmas song. And I thought mm. that was so, so wonderful. I mean, here we are on the Christmas day, everybody's you know, have, having their day off and he was driving a bus. I mean, mm. that's to me is a hero. And he was still very happy and everybody's like, he, he, everybody got on the bus and oh, let's, let's sing this and sing that. And he was singing Christmas song all the way through. So yeah. in my view, I always put the frontline staff as the leaders for the industry. That's great. That's, that's a really, really great answer. Uh, I mean, I never thought about it and uh, I fully agree. You know, they are the one, even during this pandemic, they were the one who were putting their life Absolutely. and driving the yeah. bus all around and, and well, they were helping the other frontline staff. A lot of nurses, well, doctors were using the public yeah, transit. Absolutely. Talking about that, right, the, the, the pandemic, one of my colleagues at, at Sunjin Bus, and every day he was, for the last two years, every day he was shuttering people from the border between Hong Kong and Shenzhen hmm. to the quarantine place and seven days a week, you know, 24 seven. And then because he was working in so-called kind of like sensitive because like, you know, like be taking, carrying people from, from, from the border to, to, to the quarantine place. So he couldn't go home. He hasn't been, he hadn't been home for two years. Two years. He needed to be on shift on, he had needed to get to work and then he couldn't just take, self-isolation so he he's not been he's not been home for two years he's been staying at the, at, at the staff quarter and every morning he would go from the staff quarter to the border pick up staff pick pick up passengers dropping down them off to quarantine place and then he would have a rest and then weekend he was he couldn't go home at the weekend because you know he needed to for, for self-isolation so to me i mean the, the frontline staff they they actually uh they are the backbone to to the industry in, in yeah. my view and they, uh, they should be you know i, I see them as a leader of the, of the industry yeah. no that, that's great that's a, such a remarkable story really really heads off to these people you know putting their life at risk yeah. now last question uh if you can change one thing in life what would it be i wouldn't change a thing you i'm what thing. i am <laughs> <laughs> i make mistakes i mean i, I wouldn't change a thing no that's great. And, and uh, I love that answer because uh, some people try to look back and try to feel like, oh, I should change this and I should change that. But they forget that this is the foundation where they are today. So changing thing will, will not uh, make future anything different. So it's uh, no. just always look forward. Well, that's great. No, thank you so much, Joe, for your great insight. I really enjoyed this chat and I really loved your uh, answers and uh, giving perspective, your knowledge. Uh, I learned a lot from your experience as always. And I hope uh, people who listen to this podcast, they will learn a lot. So thank you so much. Uh, and I wish you all the success in your new assignment. Thank you, Jasval. It's been a real, it's been really enjoyable and a real honor for me to be to share my, well, my bit of experience with you. Thank you so much. Wish you good luck. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll be inviting some other inspiring guests in coming weeks. You can subscribe us online to get the notification. If you have any feedback or suggestion for this podcast, please do write to us at info at the rate mobility innovatorscom We look forward to see you next time. Thank you.